Appeals call this morning or this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, to 1 Samuel 4, verse 1. 1 Samuel 3, 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his, his eyesight had begun to grow dim. He could not see well. And a lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel and said, Here I am. He said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called him yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son? And he said, Here I am. He said, What is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that I spoke to you. So Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Thus the word of Samuel, chapter 4, verse 1, came to all Israel. Well, this is the reading of the word of the Lord. Now, you know, you and I, as we think about this, we see that word rare. Um, it's hard for us to think about the word of God being rare in the United States. It really is. Uh, you and I, we've been blessed beyond our basically wildest imaginations. Um, we have the Word of God in our hands. 
We have the special revelation of God present. And when you have it present, when you can read it, when you can hear it preached, when you, you can hear it read on your uh, phone, when you're going down the street. Now, some, some people, well, I listen to the Bible all the way to the Bay, Bay Area. I remember some people would listen to the Bible for like two hours on their way to work. Can you imagine commuting to work for two and three hours? But anyway, they listened to the Bible all the way to their job site from where we lived. And when you hear the word, there's salvation and there's Jesus Christ and there's the will of God and there's being able to walk in the, in the light of God's word. But if you don't have the word of God to read, if you don't have the word of God read and preached in, all, in, in the radio stations and all the places that it is, well, you're going to be under judgment and curse and death. In the United States, it's hard for us to think about God's word being rare as you think about missionary reports, it's kind of hard for us to dream that missionaries actually still go out to places that do not know the Word of God. They do not have a, a translation of the Word in their own language. But it's really real, and there are still men and still women going out and translating and going out to different countries to share the truth of God's Word. And the reason they do it, and I love these words from our confession, they do it because the Word of God contains that knowledge of God and of His will necessary unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. On the other hand, in the United States, as much as we have the Word, and all, think about all, how many copies do you have in your house? <laughs> you know, you got, I got a whole shelf of book of, of just nothing but Bibles. People have given me Bibles, gift Bibles, these study Bibles, this Bible, that Bible. Um, these have notes in them. Those are real clean. Then I've got Bibles all on my phone, and I've got Bibles everywhere on my computer. Um, but do you know the Word of God can be rare in the United States? And it can be rare in two ways. It can be rare because it's not being read and preached by preachers who preach in pulpits. And maybe that's not even a sermon. Maybe I shouldn't call it preaching. A friend of mine in Houston called me the other day, and she was in absolute despair and distress because she said, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, you know, I went to a funeral the other day and the minister got up and he didn't read the Bible and he didn't even preach a sermon in the funeral. You know, like you did. What's up with that? She said he talked about the man that died. She talked, he, he talked about himself, but he never preached the word. And that's what happens many times. Men are, are not even opening up the Bibles. They're not preaching Jesus Christ from the Word of God. And so there's can be uh, a re it can be rare. Another way the Word of God can be rare today is that uh, we are we can be really proud of all the, the uh, versions and translations we have, but never open them. Think about that. That, that. that I remember one of the things in college that really got me was um, I've been taught all these things but I hadn't been responsible for all these things. I've been taught all these things, but I hadn't been responsible to do any of those, many of those things. And so I began to open the Bible. And so I went from being, you know, starving to feasting on a regular basis on the Word of God. But we can be negligent and have the Word of God basically be a, have a famine in our own lives of the Word of God. In shallow days, the Word of God was rare. The Word of God was infrequent. But God's going to change all of that. He's going to change all of that through a little boy who's grown into a man. And that little boy who's grown into a man is named Samuel. 
Last week's Sunday evening sermon was the prophet's presence and the grace of God because wherever the Word of God is, wherever the prophet and the Word of God is, there's grace, there's salvation, there's joy, there's life. And now we're going to see the actual call of the prophet. So today we want to look at Samuel, the prophet's call. And the first thing I want you to take note of is in verses 2 through 10, the prophet's call and God's patience. We know the call, it's about his call, because 11 times from verses 4 through 10, we see the word call. He called, he called, he called. Remember he called, Samuel, 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 all those different things. What I want you to do, I want you to take note of first the setting of the call. There's two men and there's two pieces of furniture. The two men, Eli and Samuel, two men. We are told of Eli. Tell you a couple of things we're told about Eli. His eyesight is becoming so weak that he can barely see. And one of the things we're told about Eli is he's in his usual place. And one of the things that's so I think the author wants us to pick up on something. He's in his usual place, and that place is not as close to the ark as Samuel. Did you get that? His usual place. He's not able to see so well, and he's in his usual place, and that place is not so close to the ark as Samuel. We're also told of Samuel, and he's lying. He's in the temple of the Lord, and guess where he is? He's the one who's closest to the ark of God. And so the author is pointing out to us, listen to me, men. <laughs> this man's ending poorly. I got some young folks in here who are in their beginnings and we've got some people who are getting closer to the end. And you can end poorly by being farther away than you should be close to God versus Samuel setting this stage for being close to God. Eli should never have been far from God's presence. Two pieces of furniture, the lamp of God and the ark of God. Now both of these pieces of furniture, they point to the Lord's presence. The lamp, it says there in verse 3, it says the lamp of God had not yet gone out. That tells us a couple of things. It doesn't just say it's a beautiful ambiance. You know, isn't that a great word? Um, ambiance. Um, it's not just that the light's not out. It's dark. And so that tells us that Samuel is keeping the lamp lit through the nighttime. Leviticus 24, 1 through 4 tells us that the lamp of the Lord was to be kept burning through the night. And that means little Samuel, or grown, a little bit grown up Samuel, is keeping the light lit. The second thing to note is about the ark. We see that he is very close to the ark, the ark of God. Now, what's so incredibly important about that? Well, it's important because that's where the glory, Shekinah cloud of God's presence would be between the two angels over the mercy seat. So we have this setting, this setting where this young man is going to be called to be a prophet. The famine's going to end. The word of God is going to be preached. And it's coming from a little man whose mother prayed for him. God gave him, him to her. Then she gave him back to God. And then he's trained by Eli. And now God is preparing to call him to be the voice, the word of God to the people. So we look also now at the actual call. And in verse 4 it says the Lord called Samuel. How many times? Four times. <laughs> four times. Three times, three times he didn't get it. The fourth time he understood it, right? So three times and he said, "Here I am." He'd go and he'd talk to Eli. Three times this happens. Uh, he hears this voice, Samuel, and he go runs runs down to Eli. And said, "Here I am for you called me." No, no, no. 
I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. Three times that happens. And then the fourth time, of course, the third time, Eli finally realizes, hey, the Lord's the one who's calling him, and he tells him what to do. He says, next time you hear God call you, next time say, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, here's, here's where we want to ask a question. Why did it take Samuel so long to understand that the Lord was calling him? I mean, there's no doubt he heard a voice, and there's no doubt that uh, you know, he thought it was Eli's voice. He's attentive. He's ready to serve. Why, why is he having such a hard time understanding that this is the Lord? And verse 7 gives us the answer. He says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. Now, what does that mean? I mean, surely Samuel knows the Lord better than Hophni and Phinehas, correct? <laughs> he, what's that mean he does not know the Lord? He's serving. He's, he's trimming the lamp. He's in the presence of God, the ark of God. He's being trained by Eli. He's got a wonderful mother, a wonderful father. What does it mean he doesn't know the Lord? I mean, surely he knows the Lord. Well, what it means is this. He didn't know the Lord in this way. He had never had the Lord speak to him in an extraordinary experience of, of speaking to him and, and coming to him. He's being called to be a prophet of the Lord. He's never, you know, in that statement we make, never been here before. How many times have you said that? Never been here before. You know, I've said that a bunch of times. I've never been here before. Do you have any experience of this? I've never been here before. So he's never been here before. And so with Eli's assistance, he recognizes and says, Speak, Lord. Well, how does this apply to us? Well, it doesn't apply to us in that you and I are going to receive direct revelation from God like like, like a prophet. They receive direct They received immediate revelation from God as prophets and apostles. And through these men, God records His revelation in the Old and New Testament through prophets and apostles. These things are all pinned down for us, and there's no more need for any direct revelation. So God's not going to give us immediate or direct revelation like Samuel. God's going to speak to you and speak to me, and I'm going to use this word, immediately. Immediately means he's going to speak to us through the word read, speak to us through the word taught, speak to us through the word preached. How does this apply to us? Another thing, listen to me carefully. This is so important. This call applies to you and to me as we look at the one who did the calling. As we look at the one who did the calling. Think about the one who did the calling. Think about how patient this one who did the calling, was with our Samuel. He's tender and he's kind and he waits. He's patient. Samuel's not been here before. And so he doesn't know the routine. He doesn't know how it's supposed to happen. And so the Lord is so patient with him. The Lord doesn't say, you're so dense on the second time. I'm just going to throw the towel in with you. Forget you. (laughs) Now what sometimes we do? (laughs) He didn't chastise him. He didn't, you know, how, how many, when you want to make sure somebody knows you're kind of disgusted with them, what do you do? You don't say a word. You just go, <sighs> you know, you make these sighs and these groans. Well, God didn't do that with him. God didn't say you will never amount to anything or you will never, ever get this right. He was very patient. And so this call to Samuel teaches us that our Lord is patient with us. He's going to accomplish what he wants to do with you, but he's not in a super big hurry. 
He's going to work with us, give us time to understand. And so we need to understand he's patient. He understands uh, our frame. He understands that uh, as the women, they're going to have a a tea uh, in so many weeks. It's going to be about clay, right? Potter and clay and teapots. And he understands that we're made of clay. And so he's going to bring us along. You know, we need to, as a church, understand that God is working with us and he's going to be patient with us as a good shepherd congregation. And there's things that we pray are going to happen. I've prayed it many times. I hope you're getting the idea that we need to grow out of this building and will we be patient with each other as God is patient with us as as we seek to grow out of kids, our kids, as wonderful as this place has been. The Lord has been patient, especially in the person of Jesus Christ, and He's patient with you. I want you to think of your impatience with God, (laughs) but He's never been impatient with you. I want you to think of your impatience with yourself, but God's never been impatient with you. I want you to think about how impatient you might have been with your children. (laughs) Have you... You know, I would say that even the best of the best parents probably every now and then go, hmm, you know, <laughs> when they shouldn't. Now, they see, Michael says he never does. Um, he never grits. We, we, we've never, I've never as a, patient, a parent ever said, hmm, you know, you'll never amount to anything and then have to go say I'm sorry. I, I, usually, I don't usually say that, but I might say something else. You know, I should, things, things we get impatient with our kids sometimes. And yet God, he's never impatient with us. Adam and Eve deserved to die. God made a sacrifice. God gave them clothing. God gave them a promise. And God gave them children. David sinned heinously before the Lord. God forgave him. God punished him. And God went with David through the punishment. And God gave him another son. Peter, he recognizes his sinfulness. And Jesus forgives him. And he says he's going to go to prison and to death with him, but he denies him. And Jesus goes to the cross for him anyway. And God is patient with us just as he was patient with Adam and Eve and David and Peter. Well, let me end this application with this. Some of us need to repent for having a graven image of the Lord in our hearts. You have a portrait of God in your heart shaped in the form of an impatient God. A painfully efficient God. An ogre of a God who will not put up with dishes in the sink. Who will not um, put up with any bumps in the road. Who will stand over you with a timer and say, if you don't get it right by this point... I'm not going to have anything else to do with you. I'm going to I'm primed to jump on you. That's anything but true. Our God is a patient God. Well, second, the prophet's call and its difficulty. The prophet Samuel is receiving some difficult words in verses 11 through 15. Uh, these are really heavy words. Here is a young man, the first prophet since Moses, And wouldn't it be great if this first prophet since Moses gets to say some comforting words? (laughs) Look what he has to say to Eli. These are not comfortable things to have to say. In fact, he says, 
These things that I'm going to tell you are going to cause every person in Israel, all their ears will buzz. They will tingle. The word of the Lord pronounced against Eli. Remember that? We studied that last week. First, first Peter, I mean Samuel 2, 27 through 36. Remember the unnamed prophet comes on the scene. We don't know where he's from. We don't know where he's going. But what does he say? You've preferred your boys over God. And because you've done this, you and your seed are going to be wiped out. It's going to be a painful, painful judgment. He's going to cut them off. And there's no room for forgiveness. This is what Samuel has received. Now here's the thing. Prophets receive and prophets what? Declare. (laughs) Both. Wouldn't it be great if he just received it and didn't have to say anything? But he's got to say it. And he doesn't want to say it. And the reason it's difficult is because of who Eli is to him. Who is Eli to Samuel? A little three-year-old dude's been, been been raised by Samuel in the in the temple. This is why it's hard sometimes for me not to, to to be unhappy with Eli because there's some pretty nice things about the guy. He's taking care of this little boy, and this little boy doesn't want to speak hard, difficult words to Eli because this is his mentor. He's afraid to do it, but Eli helps him out. Eli says this, Samuel, my son, what was it that he said to you? He says, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So that's good. Eli's helping him out. You tell me the truth. I'm placing you under a curse if you don't tell me the truth. And so Samuel told him everything. Now, can you feel the pain of this? Here's this little prophet called by God into the ministry, and the first thing he has to do is deliver an act of judgment against his mentor and against the most powerful family in all of Shiloh. But the prophet must speak the word of God, and he does it with trembling. And as you think about preachers today, the preacher who I hope uh, you hear, they should find themselves in this dilemma They should find themselves in this dilemma of this is the word of the Lord and they must do so with tenderness in their hearts. You must hear ministers and ministers need to say, thus saith the Lord. They don't have an extraordinary call like this, but they do have an extraordinary word that's in front of you. It's God's authority. This is the word you need to hear. You need to hear it come from a person who believes it, who tries, tries to be clear when they present it to you. Probably sometimes not so clear. Sometimes muddy. But we try, we're trying. We've given ourselves to the Word of God. We come from the study and we say, Thus saith the Lord, because we've wrestled with it. And if you have a minister who stands up before you and he has a very hard time not showing you some difficult things, then you need to ask yourselves, Is this guy phony? Or you need to ask yourselves, What's this guy want? He needs to be able to tell you hard truths. On the other hand, If you have a minister who only preaches judgment and he only swings an axe of God's law, then you need to wonder if he cares for you. All he can do is preach the law and never bring you comforting news of the gospel. And so there's a real tension when it comes to the ministry of the word even today. The minister is going to preach the word of God and he needs to realize that it's hard to hear. 
If it's hard for him to say, he needs to realize it's hard to be heard by the person in the pew. And so there's this real balance of truth and love and love and truth. Truth without love is what? It's harsh. Love without truth is what? It's gushy. It's emotional. It doesn't have any point. And so the minister has to hold the truth and hold the love. And it's my prayer. I don't know if I've ever said this in a pulpit before, but it's my prayer to take you guys with me into the study and see you because I see where you sit. And I can sit in my mind and I can see where you sit. And I pray and I think about you as I prepare. Hopefully we can bring the truth from a heart of love. Well, third, and we'll conclude, the prophet's call and Israel's responsibility. We have a resident prophet now in this book. We have a young man who's called and he's going to be the word. God will give him the word to God's people in such a time of darkness and sinfulness and unrestrained leadership. God calls this man to stand up and his words will not fall to the ground. When you take all of his words, we said this in our men's Bible study the other day, when you take a prophet and you compare all his words to the, to the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when you compare his words to the law, they all match up. They're all good words. He's going to be a blessing to the Lord. Resident prophet. But now we have to think about this resident prophet and the people's responsibility. The people have to take and receive what the little prophet, or I should say probably he's not little anymore. He's probably at least older than that. But this resident prophet preaches and the people need to receive it. They need to lay it up in their hearts and they need to obey it in their lives. And it's no different for you or for me. God has sent his final prophet, Jesus Christ. John tells us this final prophet that comes to us is the word of God, Jesus Christ. And so we have this final word, and this final word comes from this final prophet, Jesus Christ. And we need to receive Jesus Christ. In the interaction between Samuel and Eli, there's a great example for us on how we should receive Jesus Christ. Pay close attention. Remember that Eli says to Samuel, here's how we should receive Christ. Tell me all that he said to you and do not hide any of it from me. And so Samuel looks at at Eli and he tells him everything and he doesn't withhold any words from him, even the difficult ones. And then Eli says in return, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And that's exactly how we need to receive Christ. Jesus says something and we need to say, Lord, don't hold anything back. Tell me everything. Just like Eli said, tell me everything. And so we as a church, we need to pray together. Will you, Lord, tell me all that you have to say to me? Will you not hide anything from me? And then we need to say, I will do it. And we need to pray and receive all that Jesus tells us and obey as a congregation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... This time to look into your word. What wonderful words. What comforting words. That you are a patient God. That you are a God who gives us your word. And you you keep coming to us. And coming to us. 
and you, you work with us slowly, but surely you're going to accomplish your goals. May we be just like Eli. May we say, Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And may we walk out of this place saying that all week long. Lord, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do, whatever you say, difficult or easy. Lord, we, we pray from, from our hearts right now. Be it done to me as you say. And so, Father, we pray that you'll take us from this place, Lord, rejoicing in you and ready for another week. We praise you and we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.